Hi everyone, Wynn Claybaugh here. This Masters Classic features Noel DiCaprio, the pioneering owner of Noel Spa for beauty and wellness. Often referred to as the mother of day spa industry, Noel experienced a 14-year battle with breast cancer that eventually took her life in December 1998. Six months before her passing, I interviewed Noel for an audio tape to raise money for breast cancer research at City of Hope's National Medical Center. In that interview, Noelle shared that after her double mastectomy and months of chemotherapy, she looked in the mirror and hated herself. Seeing the massive scarring in her bald head, she felt embarrassed that cancer could show up in her body. But Noelle was wise enough to know she had to find a way to fall back in love with herself. She did so and then went on to raise money and awareness for cancer. Noelle's message about the importance of balance and self-esteem is a beautiful reminder for all of us. If you enjoy this classic interview, please share it with your friends and visit mastersbywinclaybaugh.com to sign up for our mailing list. And remember, Masters podcasts are also available on your favorite podcast platform. Hello, everybody. This is Wynn Claybaugh, your co-host for Masters, A Personal Journey to Success. I have to honestly tell you that I've been waiting for four years for this day. A woman who I consider to be an incredible role model for me, for, for many people in this industry, and that is Noelle DiCaprio. I want to share a little bit about who Noelle is. I recently had the honor of being in Las Vegas at the North American Hairdressers Awards where Noelle received 1998 Naha's Lifetime Achievement Award. And I've admired this woman from afar for many, many years, and that night just really clenched it for me because I was there with 10 of my beauty school students, new kids in the industry, and Noelle was so gracious. She came, actually came over to the table and welcomed them and congratulated them for choosing this industry. She walked away and that was enough motivation for my students to launch a lifetime career in this industry. Before I actually give you more information about who Noelle is and what she's accomplished, I also want to share that I'm sitting here with a master that we featured a couple of months ago, a successful salon and spa owner, also an industry leader, and a very good friend of Noelle's, and that is Adam Broderick. So, Noelle and Adam, welcome to Masters. Thank you, Wynn. Thank you. Now, Noelle is the founder of the Day Spa Concept. She has a salon and spa in Stamford, Connecticut, which is recognized as one of the top 20 salon and spas in the country. Noelle has received the Avon's prestigious Woman of Enterprise Award, the iSpa Service Award, and Intercofure's President's Awards. Noelle has been featured on CNN's Style with Elsa Clench and is regularly selected as Day Spa of the Year by both trade and consumer magazines. She's often quoted in Vogue, W, Self, and many other beauty and fashion publications, and the salon is always recognized in the press as the best in the country. She's a featured lecturer at many industry events and sits on the boards of Intercofure, the Connecticut Massage Board, American Cancer Society, and also on the advisory board of many national magazines. How you fit all of that in, Noel? <laughs> Maybe we're going to learn a little bit about that today. But uh, again, very honored to be here, and especially to have Adam as kind of our celebrity interviewer. So uh, once again, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Wynn. Well, let me start off this way, Noel. Um, with all that you've created professionally, personally, where does the inspiration come from? I think back at my mom, who was a cleaning lady, all her life, and she died at 82, but proud as hell of being a cleaning lady. She would walk me to the bank every, every day, every Friday she would get paid, and she would walk me to the bank, and we would literally put 50 cents in the bank away. And she had this bank book that had page after page after page of 50 cents. I mean, and the people at the bank would see her, and they'd get all excited that here she comes, here comes Edith with her money to save. And when I first got into business, and I was a female in business many years ago, the banks didn't want to lend a woman money. And my mom had $10,000 saved. 
From 50 cents a day. From 50 cents a day. I never, I mean, I had no idea that she had saved that much money. Wow. And she handed me her bank book and said, honey, you could use this. This will help you get into business. And I think back, that's why nowadays people say, well, what do you want to do, Noelle, at this point in your life? I want to help people. Because I think back at what my mom did. And she didn't have a glamorous job, but she was so proud of it. She was proud to say I'm a cleaning lady. She was proud to say, look what I did. I saved $10,000. And she was also sharing enough to hand it over to me. You know, on these tapes, oftentimes people don't like to talk about who they are and what they've accomplished. But the people who listen to these master's tapes are looking for leaders. They're looking for mentors. They're looking for heroes in the industry. And it's about sharing with them what you've accomplished, what it took you to get to where you're at uh, so that they can say, well, because I don't believe that God plays favorites. I don't believe that he gives one person more potential than somebody else. And mm -hmm. so the difference between any of our listeners and Noel DiCaprio is just time. Exactly. And so if you don't mind sharing with us more about your history, how you got into the industry, I was so proud to be there. The highlight of Naha there in Las Vegas was your husband's introduction oh. of you. I, I will never forget Peter's introduction of me. And, and it was funny because they asked me, who do you want to present this award to you? And I'm sure they were thinking I was going to say some industry leader or something like that. And I said, no one else but my husband, Peter. I mean, because he, I mean, he knows me. He's, he's known my struggles. He's been by my side all my life. And um, I get emotional just thinking about Peter. So if I get emotional, you just have to live through that. Um, when he said he saw me fight cancer and beat cancer five times, he literally saw me beat cancer five times. And I'll never forget that when, when Peter was in the building business and seven people came in, and this was kind of a mean thing to do, seven people came in that were working for me. And I only had, at that time, 12. And they quit one hour at a time. 10 o'clock one would come in, 11 o'clock another would come in. By the end of the day, I was distraught, and I thought, I can't take this. And I called Peter, who didn't really know my business that well. He did have a heart. And I said, you won't believe what just happened. Seven people just left. I'm here with four people. What shall I do? And he said, honey, just sit there. I'll be right there. This was how long ago? Oh, in the 70s. Peter comes into the room. Now, we were all dressed in white at that time. We all wore white. We followed Bruni Petiti's lead, if you remember Bruni Petiti, a master in himself. And Peter walks in all dressed in white off a construction job. I don't know where he got the white clothes from. And he goes, here I am. I don't know how to wash hair. I don't know how to do anything to do with hair, but I'm here for you. And that, my relief was gone. I felt, okay, now there's two of us. We could handle anything. That's the best. He started, he got on the floor. We started writing cards out. I mean, we did this thing about giving away stuff before it was like the end thing to do. And we wrote to every single client that was clients of these seven people. We didn't know we were doing the right thing. Who the heck knew? I mean, we were writing on the seat of our pants. And we sent out letters and we offered free haircuts. Now, this goes back 28 years ago. We said, we want you to come in and we want you to experience. I have a wonderful staff here. Now, the funny part is I did not have a wonderful staff there. I mean, they were great, but there were only four of us. But I, I quickly, it's like he was my strength. I knew I could do it now. I wasn't destitute. I wasn't by myself. And Peter said, okay, no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send out these letters. We're going to remodel the place. A coat of paint is wonderful to, to, to inspire people. That was the remodel job. That was the remodel coat of paint back then. Now we knock down buildings, but right. you know, things are different now. But, uh, and then I pulled my four people together that I had here. And I said, we're going to change this business. I don't know how, but we're going to change this business. And this is just around the time when I decided to get into the day spa business. But we first, I think I remember giving people hams at Christmas and turkeys. And I said, first of all, you're going to get cash at Christmas. They love that. We're going to change the way we talk to the people that come here. We're going to call them guests. You're part of my family. 
you don't work here. We all, we're all in this together. And we're going to start doing something called marketing. Now, I don't know what marketing is. I was telling them this 28 years ago. We're going to find out what marketing is. So I called up Satia, which is a small business association locally. And I think this was 1973. And I was having this vision that people wanted to do more than get just haircuts. And I said, we're going to go to this organization and we're going to put on a show. So I had everyone dressed in white for the show. I had a wind machine in the, in the background and I had soft music playing at that time. I didn't know it was spa music, but soft music playing. And I had fabric draped and the wind and the fabric and the sounds. And I, I had incense burning. And I put up a little sign, come and get your corporate haircuts, corporate cuts. Well, no one ever came. I mean, they were looking at us like we were weird. IBM is on one side of me, and Xerox is on the other side, and then there's this freak in the middle <laughs> trying to get people to come for free haircuts. I also was giving free neck massages. No one. I mean, the first day, literally no one came. In fact, the people that were running the show came to me and said, this is not right. You shouldn't be doing this. This is not legal. So I called my lawyer and I said, could they tell me I paid $600 for this booth? Could they tell me I can't have a wind machine in here and I can't have soft music and I can't have incense playing? He said, Noel, you can do anything you want for $600. Just don't be nude on the table and you can do anything you want. I said, okay. So then I went back and I started all these beautiful girls that were working for me, the four beautiful girls. I said, start walking around and telling all these men here that you want to cut their hair and you bring them back here. And they did, one at a time. All of a sudden, the word was getting out. They would go back to their booth and they looked great. And they felt great because they had a neck massage. And they, wow, what was that? Oh, I went to this booth. I think it's called Noel and Experience and Beauty. That was our name back there. That was before we called it a day spa. Noel and Experience and Beauty, what the heck is that? They were all saying. Well, lo and behold, that afternoon, the line was going all the way around. I love it. And who comes to interview the business expo is the New York Times business section. Who do they interview? What was the most happening booth there? You. Us. Jeez. He comes up and he interviews me. What are you doing here? And I didn't know anything about interviews. I didn't know anything about marketing. I just was like going with my gut. I was desperate. I was hanging on by a thread. I had, that's when my mom gave me my, the $10,000. Here I had four people working for me. I didn't want to lose my business. So this man interviewed me, took pictures of a man getting a massage by a beautiful girl dressed in white with the fabric hanging. Where do you think we ended up? The front page of the New York oh Times business section. Well, after we broke the show down, I came back here and my one receptionist, I now have, I think, 24 my one receptionist says, I don't know what's happening. The phones haven't stopped. They're ringing off the wall. Help me. Help me, Noel. We all got on the phones, and we were like, taking names down. We'll call you tomorrow. We couldn't give the information fast enough. And I thought, oh, this is something. God, thank you. I, I guess if I had to share anything with all my peers, it's like, make something that isn't good, good. See what you can take out of that. I mean, those people that have left, I don't even think they're in business anymore. Right. I mean, not that I wish them harm, because I want everyone in our business to be successful. Because if we're not all successful, then it makes us all look bad. So that day was the turning, one of the turning points in my business. Why is it that, and maybe you can give some advice on this, that salons wait until it gets desperate, you know, having more than half their staff walk out on them before they reinvent themselves. I mean, how can we avoid that pitfall and decide to reinvent ourselves or get creative and start doing these things before we get desperate? Well, we don't see it. We don't see that things aren't going well. We don't know what's going on in other people's minds. We don't, I mean, I thought my business was doing great. I had all these people working for me. We were the hottest ticket in town. We had just made it beautiful, you know, remodeled a little bit and we had everyone dressing the same way. We were going out Studio 54-ing and dancing together and having the, the best time. Who knew? I don't think people realize it. Or I don't think people step back and say, 
like, God, what's going on in my business? What advice do you have for those people so that they don't have to wait till that desperate point? Well, I think things have changed so much in the, in the past 25, 30 years. I think one of the things you have to do is, is talk to your family or your staff. Find out what they're thinking. Make it a team. Find out what they really want and realize their goals before your goals. I mean, I have a person here that wants to teach school. And he told me that when he first came five years ago. I said, the day will come. And he just started it this year. So I'm realizing Gary's goals to open up an advanced training school. I mean, other people have said, I want to do merchandising. I said, okay, so you go to the next show and you do the buying and you do the merchandising. I think you have to be proactive instead of just hanging there and thinking, well, aren't I wonderful? You know. Well, I want to get Adam back into this, but I have to ask you one more question. Uh, for as long as I've been in the industry, which is really not all that long, you're probably the first company that calls staff members family members and I like your concept when we just did the tour we walked by the it's not a staff room it's a family room and yeah. I know that you don't have staff meetings you have family gatherings where did that all come from well that also which I love from, by the way I love it too and it's not I hate when people say my kids you know oh my kids are at work or my and meaning they're they're staff members or their family they're not my kids they're not my staff. They are my family. I spend more time, and I think Peter had an awful lot to do with that. Peter comes from the head where he's very family-oriented. If you come and ever visit our home, he never wants you to leave. He wants you to stay and stay and stay. Don't go for your coat when you're at our house. And I think he feels that about people that work here. People, he wants them to know that we will do anything in our power. We had a girl die. We pay for a free funeral. Her family couldn't afford it. We lend money for cars. We do second mortgages for houses. You know, people have had major, major obstacles. Uh, we, they know they come to us first before they go anywhere else. And we'll do anything. Let me ask you, how do you keep from getting discouraged? And, I, and let me say that as a salon owner... I sometimes go home with a briefcase full of money and the days run right and everybody's happy and it's just, I think, I have just an incredible life. I am so grateful. There are other days, however, where no matter what I try and do, it's just a grind. Um, I don't feel that they're getting it. They're, nothing I do is good enough and uh, clients don't get it sometimes or whatever. Um, but, you know, as salon owners, we're the, we're the person that sets the tone. So what I want to know from you is, how do you pull yourself up from that place if, in fact, you have them? I have to say, you know, I don't want you to think I'm God or, or this magic person. I have all those same feelings you have, Adam. I know that I've been put on this earth and it's my karma to help a lot of people. So I, when I go home I, and, and have Peter working with me, we both almost have the same exact feelings. You know, when, we're, when everything is great and we're on vacation, wonderful. When we go home, like, we had an incident just yesterday. We talk about the way we want people to dress. And we talk about it, we talk about it, we talk about it. We set the tone. We, we tell people, we'll buy you clothes until you have enough money. And then we see somebody come in with dirty clothes on and color all over their jackets. And, and it's not like we get angry. We get hurt. So am I going to, like... Be angry towards that person all day long. No, we got too many other things to do. Instead of having misdirected anger, because a lot of us in this business do, like we're angry at this person about the clothes, and we'll start yelling at our landlady for whatever reason. You have to really analyze about your business, and you have to analyze, what do you really want out of life? You know, you have to think of those happy times. And it's very difficult. I'm not saying it's, it's easy, but... Think of those times when you are driving home and you've got your briefcase full of money and I can go on any vacation that I want to go on. Okay, so today's not a good day, but when I wake up tomorrow, those feelings will be gone. Because I think the people that are on all these master's tapes, I think we're really special people. But I don't think it's just us. I think there's a lot of us out there. It hasn't come forward yet for them. 
And I think we're here to share all our wonderful ideas, all our wonderful thoughts. Okay, I have to jump in here and take this question and this answer to another level. Now, the two of you know each other quite well, and so you know a lot of the history that Noel right. has. Everything from uh, salon burning down. If you don't mind sharing some oh. of this information, because our listeners, they want to hear this. I think I will share that. That brings up a good point about the fire. How you can turn something around. Now, okay, tell our, us the history. What yeah, happened? Well, we had a very booming business. We had maybe... 75 people working for us at the time. It was three years ago. And we get a call in the middle of the night that our place is burning. I thought it was a, a prankster. I really did. And so we get there, and we could see the flames burning from the Merritt Parkway, which is, then we knew it was not a lie. It wasn't a joke. It was a fire. I can't and imagine. Peter, it was awful, because you have to know, our business is like, it's intertwined into our life, into our home. There's really not much separation we had a baby grand piano in our, in our color room. We had all these beautiful antiques that we brought over from England. A lot of stuff from our home we brought into the salon and spa just to decorate it that way. Anyway, we pull up and the place is burned to the ground practically. We just had put a skylight across the entire color room. And they smashed it to get the water into the color room. And as we're watching them smash it and all the, all the water's going into the piano and all the... Antiques are being destroyed. I was just, Peter and I like could not believe it. My first thought was, what am I going to do with these 75 people? Because there's not a salon in town that could even take 75 people. Well, maybe if I put two here, two there, and two there. But it was something that happened. We walked up the street that night, and we see this place that we're in right now with Big for rent sign on it. This is the same night as the fire. Same night. We had to get away from that while that was totally being destroyed. And that's what we did for the first half hour. We walked up the street and I said to Peter, we have to make this work somehow. I don't know how. I said, God, is this a sign? Look at this building. Big for rent sign. It was for it was, this building was empty for like three years. Anyway, we walked back and then we, we got this, this something was happening in both of us. Okay, let's set up camp here. We lined up all the people that had phones in their cars. We had like four cars or five Jeeps all lined up. We went and we got, our booking room was not destroyed. We weren't on computer at the time. We were still on boards. We ran downstairs. This was Friday night. Book solid for Saturday. We ran down and we grabbed all the boards out before that caught on fire. We put each one of our receptionists in a car. And they start dialing phones and start canceling out the next day. We brought somebody else to a home that was nearby, another employee of ours. They got on the staff line, and they start calling the staff. And then we, before you know it, this is what I'm talking about when I say family. That family slash staff was down here in 10 minutes. Now, this was 4 o'clock in the morning. They all came. They brought their lovers, their husbands their mothers, and we were freezing. It was so cold. We couldn't go into the old place. Now the police had barricaded it. And there was this little store on the end of the shopping center that was for rent. And we picked the lock just to keep warm. And we went in there. It was 1,500 square feet. And we were all huddled together. And I said, God, this would make a nice salon. Now, you have to know, we had 10,000 square feet. And we're standing in 1,500. This will make a great salon. Well, my husband knows me because he knows my head was ticking. All of a sudden, I became like a director. Now I know what a director is all about. I said, okay, guys, we're going to make this into a salon. What do you think? Sure. If you say we could do it. I said, not say we can do it. We're going to open Monday morning. Well, I have to say, Peter got in charge of the construction crew. We called Bob Mallon at United. He had sinks down here. We called Bill Rainey at Aveda. He had products down here. We called Horst. He lent us a lot of money. We called the inspectors in town. Now, we, I, we, we got their numbers from someone. This was a Saturday. And we want to start working on this place tomorrow morning, which was Sunday. Oh, no, you can't. You absolutely cannot. What do you mean you, we can't? We have 75 people that are going to be out of work. Would you rather me put this full-page ad in the Stanford paper that 75 people are out of work because I couldn't get a permit, or would you like to give me a permit? 
So you have to almost think, you know, I'm going to do it come hell or high water. Well, I have to go to church, he was saying. I said, well, go to church. You say a prayer for me, and you come back with permits in your hand, and we will love you for that. Long story short, he comes back. We had the plumbers, electricians, carpenters, sign makers, fabric people. We had 125 people lined up. When we got that paper in our hand Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, it started. Peter and I were the directors. We made this huge sign that we put outside, Noel is hotter than ever. I love it. Mary Seville from Channel 4 News happens to live up here. She sees the sign. Wow, that's a story. She puts her brake on, stops, comes walking in. What's going on? I tell her the story. Well, if that's not a story, I don't know what is. Again, either God was watching or... Anyway, by 12.30 that night, we had a salon built in 1,500 square feet. We all applauded. I had somebody making t-shirts up that fire, what fire, on one side, and the other side is Noel is hotter than ever. We used to have that. That was our, like our key line. Whenever we painted the salon and a client would come in and she'd say, what's that smell? Is this paint? And we'd say, paint? What paint? And them, we did that for years. So when we, after the fire, we said, fire? What fire? That's great. It was great. And I said, okay, now Monday morning, I want you all to come in. I had fire hats for every one of us. We all put the fire hats on, and that's how we started work. The first guest walked in the front door, and she said, oh, my oasis is still here. And I knew just then that we were going to be so successful. And you have to understand, 75 people squished. I mean, we were people. were sitting on the floor getting their hair blown out. But it was a happening. It was a happening in the front window. Wherever you can get a space... You got a space. And I'm thinking that clients did not mind at all just to never just to be a part of that excitement and wow. And and I said to that inspector who gave us the paper that day, I said, We're gonna open up, I think at that time we weren't sure, but if we open up, we're gonna have a parade and you're gonna be the grand marshal. <laughs> and we had a parade up our street, up High Ridge Road. I was on my bicycle, Peter was on his, our son Jason was on rollerblades. The inspector was the grand marshal. We called the state of Connecticut to have a parade. They said no. We had it anyway. <laughs> we said it's not going to take that long. <laughs> we, we called all the businesses along the road saying we're going to have a parade if they needed to get their car out. I went to a Hindu priest and said, is this a good idea for me to do this? He said, yes, only if you open on September 6th between 12 and 1245. Talk about pressure. I had a Catholic priest there. I had someone to come and do smudging. I had uh, crystals all over the entire place. She's covering all her bases. I didn't want any religion (laughs) not to be covered. It was wonderful. So here we are marching up the road. All the different departments had a, a float. They made a float. The color department, the manicure department. And the, the best part of this whole thing was after I went to the Hindu priest and I came back to the construction crew and my husband, I said, Peter, what do you think? He says, we have to open September 6th. He said, Noel, that's seven weeks away. You're talking about 15,000 square feet developed in seven weeks? I don't think so. He told the construction workers, no, 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 we can't do it. It's impossible. Now Noel is really losing her mind. So then I said to them, we were two weeks into the project, I said, you know, in in Japan, they have two crews that come out. One works all day, and the other works all night. And they do a lot of great things. Let's start doing massages on the workmen. Every hour we break, I would have the people come up from the old place and do massages on all the workmen. We gave them haircuts. We'd have coffee breaks at 10 o'clock. We'd have lunch for them at 12.30. We'd have Snapple breaks at 2 o'clock. We had pizza breaks at 6 o'clock. Then we had beer breaks, and then the new crew would come in, and we'd do it all around the clock. That's amazing. Seven weeks later, we got the inspector to give us a CO. We had the parade. The mayor came. He cut the ribbon exactly at 
30. Jeez. And we've been a success ever since. Well, you know, it's funny you talk about that you actually had a parade because in seminars we use that as a metaphor to tell salons to sponsor their own parade, meaning don't wait for opportunity to come to you. Create the parade. Create your own opportunity. And here's Noel actually having a real physical parade. And it was. It was a real parade. Yeah, and I have to just add into this. A lot of people that were my competition supposedly were here offering their services. What can I do for you? And that was wonderful. Calls from all over. I remember when I got the call from Horst. Now, you imagine, I'm in soot up to here. And he says, Noel, fires are very cleansing. <laughs> and that's when I wanted to say to Horst, are you crazy? <laughs> fires are cleansing? <laughs> and I knew exactly what he meant. Three weeks after the project, I mean, like, everything in that old place, it was too small. We've outgrown it. I needed to remodel. I needed, I wanted to get into more wellness. Isn't that funny how uh, you probably had all those thoughts in your head before the fire and life just kind of took care of it for you? You think I created the fire? <laughs> I wonder. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think of that. Did I create that fire so that I could get to the next level? And I have to say, in the community's eyes, it just made me look totally different. And I didn't do it. <laughs> Believe me, at that point, I was thinking of 75 people. Right. Now, you can't plan that out. No. In a million years, I couldn't plan it. And what goes around comes around. Your first thought, which you said at the very beginning of this story, was what are we going to do with these 75 people? Yeah. And, and the interesting thing was a lot of people left during that time and went other salons a lot. And it was devastating to me because the people that stayed on, I, I till this day call them our heroes. No, well, as a visionary... Where do you see the industry going, the spa, the salon industry? I mean, with the change of the century, there's so much going on. What's your, um, what's your vision for that? I think about that a lot because I know people are looking to me to say, okay, now, you know, you created the day spa. All of these spas are opening up. And I think my most important thing that I'm concerned about is to keep those spas successful before we go on to the next level, really fine-tuning what you have. And if anyone's listening to this tape that already has a successful salon, I want you to think, how can I make this salon and this spa better than it is today? Most important thing. We're dealing with people's bodies. We have to have it clean. Cleanliness is very important. We have to think about new treatments. How can we give people new ideas about taking care of their body. Most people take better care of their cars than they do their bodies. So how can we get the people that own these spas? I think what bothers me most, and I hope I'm not regressing, but it all goes together in what I want to say. What bothers me most is people hear, oh, wow, Noel sold, and Adam sold, and Mario sold $500,000 in one month worth of gift certificate. Wow, let me jump on that bandwagon. That's not what it's all about. Whenever you think about the bottom line only, then your business will not be successful. It's all the things leading up to that bottom line. And I think one of the most important things is to care for one another, then care for your guests that come in, then care for the community, then care for the ambiance of the place, and then the last is your profitability. You have to care about it. You can't be running around thinking, oh, I need zombies. But if you care for each other first, the bottom line is you're going to have profit. If you put profit first, you're not going to care for each other. To me, that's very important. So I guess I'm telling everyone out there, do that first. Teach your people that work with you how to care for one another. That's where it all stems from. And, you know, I read something the other day, and it talks about brand loyalty. And brand loyalty, to me, it's like such a great word. And I think we have it here. But it can't be copied when you have it. It can't be stolen. It can't be made up. You have to have it. You have to earn it. You know. And I think, again, get people to love one another first. Get your brand loyalty. Now think about where you want to grow your business. And what's good for you? I mean, wellness might not be good for people out there, although I think that's where the direction is going. 
I mean, I had four doctors from Yale yesterday come here and talk to me. They literally want to put in, uh, they're calling it the Millennia Health Center. I'm not crazy about the name, but you know if doctors from Yale are thinking about getting into spas, it's the next direction. I'm a, a cancer patient, so I've been involved with how people handle people that are ill and then how people that have a heart handle people that are ill. And I think the spa business has the heart because, bottom line, most of us are hairdressers. And I think hairdressers have the biggest hearts in the world. So, because of who we are, we could help millions of people. Millions. So, I think the direction, wellness, of course. But don't do it just to do it. Because I made a lot of mistakes here. I put Pilates machines and I went to yoga, had yoga in here, and it didn't work. And I'm the first one to say that it didn't work. Pull it out, do something else. Our yoga room became our bridal suite. Our exercise room became our hair academy. We have our staff meetings in there, our family gatherings, as we now call them. So I think the spa business is going to grow and grow and grow. And what I love the most about it is that I see people like the Canyon Ranch getting into it. They're calling them spa clubs. I see the Golden Door getting into it. And they're opening up. I see, I think I, I saw one other um, large corporation that was a, a destination spa. Now, what makes them better than us? Nothing except they know the hotel business. And I'll just tell you a quick story. We were supposed to go to this island just recently. And because of Hurricane George, we never got there. So we had to think of where, where we can go. So we went back to Miami. And we stayed at the Delano. Beautiful place. Expensive. I mean, we normally would stay there for three days. We ended up staying a whole week because we had the time. And we got into watching them run their business. We used to like to sit in the lobby and just watch them. Tear down for this party. Set up for that party. Tear down for this party. Set up for that party. And we watched it. And, and I said, you know something, Pete? We don't do that enough. We think, oh, I can't take all those chairs out of there and put a fashion show in there. That would be too much work. Well, why not? Oh, I can't put my gift certificates in that room and take all that furniture out. No, it would be too much. Oh, I can't have that seminar in the bridal suite. We've got to take that big glass table out of there. So now we think like hotel people. We came back from that hotel. It was a vacation. But the best part of it was we watched them build up, tear down. Throw fabric on the ceiling, take the fabric down. Put a light on the fabric, take the light down. So even if it was a production, that's okay? No, no big deal. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Hotel people know how to take care of people. Much better than the spa people or the hair people. Only because we think, oh, it's going to cost too much money. Oh, I can't possibly do that. I loved when I saw that. And the other thing I loved, we were sitting in the lobby lounging on one of their beautiful chairs. And Peter said, um, do you have any chocolate pudding? Oh, I don't think so, they said. But wait a minute, let me ask. They went to the chef and they said, this was like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They weren't serving lunch or dinner. Do you have any chocolate pudding? The chef said, I don't have any, but I'll make some real quick. I would say a half an hour later, chocolate pudding with whipped cream on top as we're lounging in these beautiful chairs in the lobby. And I said, Pete, did you see what just happened here? So we came back and we called the family gathering immediately. So we, and we, we started it with, we always have chocolate pudding. <laughs> and, the, and the people here didn't know what we were talking about. And we proceeded to tell them what a great experience that was. And we've always said this, never say no to people. Give them whatever they want, shoe shine, cleaning, anything they want. But we really got it reinforced again. I don't want a spa, even if they were next door to me, to go under or a hair salon. Right, because if they're successful, that'll make you more successful. Exactly. There's enough clients or there's enough guests around. If you think about, if you look at your guest list, it's not even the masses yet. It's, it hasn't even come to the masses. I know we run a very upscale place. But I don't want just upscale people. I want everyone. I love when I go downstairs and I look at my cutting floor and I see the lady that lunches. 
and then I see a football player, and then I see a teenager, and then I see a little young kid. I like to see all kinds of people in those chairs because what that represents to me, no one is frightened to come into Noel. No one is intimidated to come in. The prices aren't so outrageous that they think, well, I don't belong there. And we, when we go out and we market, we market to all segments of the business. I mean, to answer your question, we haven't even begun. The spa business hasn't even begun. Now, if we all do our homework, well, there's no question where this business can go. Well, I want to piggyback on that because, Adam, you're just down the street from Noel. You run a very, very successful salon and, and spa. And as I get to know the two of you, I've really admired the friendship that the two of you have. And uh, obviously, there's some like ongoing networking. And, and I mean, talk about that because why is it that salons consider that the competition down the street is their enemy? Let me jump in here just a second because um, I was introduced to Noel. I knew about her most, all of my career, but I never really had the opportunity to meet her until, well, it's got to be 10 years ago now. And she was my Interquafure sponsor. Uh, in order to get into Interquafure, you need to have somebody vouch for you. And I, I remember being so nervous and uptight that I was going to meet this, this woman, this, this, <laughs> this icon of the industry. Tell them what you call me. The day lady. She's truly the day lady. I love it. And uh, I went in with my book, and I had a little song. It was 900 feet. I mean, it was very intimidating. And I'll never forget how warm and embracing Noel was. It was a sit down, and we started talking about... I do believe we have good energy together. I mean, I, I, I truly love Noel, and, uh, and I know she's uh, fond of me because that energy happened. But I was so impressed with, with this whole industry in general, but Noel in particular, that if you put yourself out there and take a risk, you're probably going to be very surprised at, at the outcome because it was all about how can I help, what do you need, uh, what can I do for you, come to my salon, hang out, whatever. She had to come and take a look at my facility to make sure that I was... Uh, you know, physically that it was the right ambiance or whatever. And I'll never forget she came. I mean, I cleaned all day and we bought tons of flowers. The place looked like a funeral home. And Noelle came in and she said, Adam, I want you to color my hair. And she sat in my chair and I colored her hair. I, don't, I think it was roach brown by the time I got done with it. I was so nervous. But it was the beginning of probably one of the most profound relationships I've had in this industry. Adam, you said something, and you barely touched on this, and I want to ask you to maybe expand upon this, the two of you how maybe pleasantly surprised you were at how easy it was for you to call somebody that you had admired and that it wasn't intimidating once you actually sat down with her. And that's a wonderful message that I think that we need to send out to the industry, that the people who run this industry, the people who, who have the name and are making the money, it's not an intimidating experience to get to know these people. Can you, the two of you kind of talk about that a little bit? Well, um, as I said with Noel, I mean, Noel was certainly... Um uh, one of many experiences that was similar because I am amazed as my career moves up the ladder that I really have the who's who in the industry that I can consider maybe not best friends but um, personal acquaintances, people that I've shared a meal with or been to their business. And I'm always amazed the higher level of success people attain, I almost find the more generous they are with the information. And it certainly has set the tone for me. There are times when I'm really busy and that phone's ringing and somebody needs some advice on a blueprint or whatever, but you know what? I do it not only because I like passing it along, but I do think what goes around comes around. And my experience has been so positive with Noel and many other people in the industry that uh, I think we all need to do that. Give, it, give back into the industry. And when you get to a certain level of success, I think it's imperative that you really start looking big picture and saying, okay, I've done very well and that's great. What am I giving back now? It brings me back to the point where this year I'm celebrating my 40 years in business. And I've been thinking, you know, what do I want to give back? And I decided, you know, I want to give back to the industry, but I want to give back to young people that want to get into the arts in any way possible. Now we have right now in our bridal room, we're doing a photography showing. And this is a young girl, she's 24 years old, great photojournalist, and I sponsored a show for her. It's interesting how things work out. Maybe it was, um, maybe cost me four or $5,000. By the time you framed it, by the time you did, did the mailing, by the time I did press on it, and 
had the prints made, hung it, had the reception. This girl, I asked her to do us a favor. I said, can you do me a favor and can you just put together a photo? I need a photograph for a couple of models. We're going to enter the Sebastian contest for hair color. And so she said, okay. So I hear this week, now here I've given this money to her. I love when stories like this happen. I hear this week that Manny, one of my colorists, won first prize. In the Sebastian thing? Yes. Jeez. All over, all over the United States, he's number one winner. Wow. Now, he's going to get $5,000 worth of prizes. Oh, my gosh. And he's going to go out to the school, and he's going to learn what he learns, and he's going to take it back and teach our staff and whoever else wants to come and learn it. Right. So I think, you know, if you give, it comes back to you. That's just one example. So then I thought, well, let's expand on this. We have a shortage of hairdressers, as they say in the business. According to the statistics, by the year 2000, we're going to be short 200,000 hairdressers, which is very scary to me. And I thought, well, why not start a scholarship? We're going to be calling it the Noel Scholarship. And they have to answer a, a criteria of questions, maybe 10, 12 questions, why they deserve a scholarship from Noel. Then they send it in to our scholarship group here. We analyze it and we pick one winner. Now, I'm not look, just looking for someone right in the area. They could be from anywhere in the United States. And I'm doing that because I don't want people to think I'm just trying to get staff here. I am, but what I'd like, if anyone that's hearing this, to start the Adam Broderick Scholarship, the Jean Juarez Scholarship, the Pam McNear Scholarship. Now, if we had every person do a scholarship every year for one person in the business, and we get a hairdresser out from that, and then they go and tell one friend, and then they go and tell one friend, and then they go and tell one friend, we'll have 200,000 people like that. And then I think in turn, the distributors can pick up on it. Sally's could have a, on and on, Davison's, whatever, all the companies. Then the manufacturers could, could have a scholarship. I mean, something has to be done. So what you get out of it, not only are you helping someone, which is the most important thing, your community looks at you like, wow. Here's Adam, he's successful, and he gives back to somebody that needs something. I mean, we're all looking for marketing ideas. Can you get, it can't get any better than that. Right. And we're looking for press. I mean, how much press can you get on that? You know, and I encourage everyone to think about that. You'd be helping someone. I mean, maybe people can't afford five or $8,000 a year, but you certainly would spend that on advertising. Absolutely. Or marketing. And this is a vehicle that could be helping everyone and be helping the industry and helping. So that's my goal, that we help people get into this wonderful industry. It's great. First of all, I have to tell you, and I hope you don't mind, the tape that you did for the City of Hope, just that 10 minutes, I have talked about you in every single seminar since I heard that tape. Thank you. I've shared with my audiences just simple things that you shared in that 10 minutes that did more for inspiring me, and I can't tell you the response that I've had from audiences just about your little stories. and. I have to share something with you then. Yeah. A lot of people know that I've been dealing with this cancer thing for 14 years, and I guess I have too much to say, and God doesn't want me to go yet. He gave me a reprise so I could get my award in Las Vegas. He gave me a reprise so I can go to Intercoiffure and do a show with my son and some of the family members here. And then all of a sudden, Sunday, my lungs gave out right after the show, or Monday. And my husband, Peter, said, okay, you have to cancel everything. Well, you can't. You can't talk. You can't walk. And I said, well, I have an interview with Adam and Wynn on uh, Thursday. I have to be there. Now, well, you're not hearing me. You have to cancel. And I, so I said, no, go get me some oxygen. So behind my chair, under my beautiful red shawl, is my oxygen tank. And I think it's the perfect example because I know my husband was upset with me this morning. Because I woke up, and I couldn't breathe, and I was doing oxygen, and I'm going this afternoon to have fluid taken out of my lungs. I said, but i got to be there, but I want to get there at 9 o'clock so I could compose myself, so I could be sitting at my desk, and I could be all ready to go. 
Now, I can't get up and hug you when you walked in, if you notice. I would normally do that, both of you, because that would make me out of breath. I was trying to hide the whole idea. But as I'm walking up my steps today, Peter's behind me. He's pushing me. I have oxygen in my nose, and I have one of the staff members pulling me with my hand because I was determined to do this. And, oh, God. And then I say, well, why are you so determined to do this, Noel? Because I'm doing a tape on motivation and courage and obstacles. What better example? When I talk to my cancer patients, they come in here and I say, you want to teach your children something? Teach them strength. You've got it right there. Your strength is right there. Show them that you can get up every morning and put lipstick on. Let me tell you. I said, thank God this is not a video today because I didn't feel like putting makeup on, but I did. I didn't feel like fluffing myself, but I did as much as I could. And um, I'm thrilled that you asked me to do this. I'm thrilled that my friend Adam is with me. And I'm thrilled that I did it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I am speechless. <laughs> you are just the most remarkable woman and just so inspirational. And I think, if anything, I've learned that sometimes you don't have to feel like doing something to do it. And you certainly exhibit that day in and day out. You're an incredible gift to this industry. Thanks. Your friendship has been an incredible gift to me. I've learned so much from you. And uh, look forward to the next 20 years together, Absolutely. calling each other up and commiserating on, <laughs> on all the things that don't go right. I said to my son, Jason, he's in our business now. I said, I have one wish in life. I want to be sitting on the island of Ischia with Pete, and you just keep sending us the checks every week. <laughs> you think that could happen? I don't know, but uh, that's my wish. Actually, I think if I ever retired, that would be the end. I'd love this business. Yeah. It, it keeps you going. When you think you have nothing else, it keeps you going. Well, Noel, on behalf of Masters, my wonderful partner Kitty, Adam Broderick, and the thousands of salons who are really going to benefit from this tape, thank you so much for your dedication, for your love for this industry, and for your time here today. It's been great, Wynn. Thank you, and thanks, Adam. It's been great. I'm happy I know both of you. Thank you. Thank you.